Welcome back to another episode of the BC Buckets podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University men's basketball. We are here for our Thanksgiving week episode of the podcast, and as usual, I am joined here in the basketball offices at the Newman Flanagan Center by Coach Marks Figuera. Great to be back, Matt, and I give thanks this week for you running this podcast each and every week. Appreciate that. Uh, we've got Kevin Potabom over here taking over for Bobby Beach Patterson uh, on the headphones here, and I think he has some uh, stats he'll share with us a little bit later. Kevin, what are you thankful for this year? Uh, thankful for the twins of mine at home. Uh, my wife and I are new parents as of six months ago, and thankful for the new gig here over at Briar Cliff. Uh, loving, loving being a Charger. Awesome. And uh, joining us today, we've got a special guest here in the office with us, and that is sophomore player for the Briarcliff University basketball team, Ethan Friedel. Ethan, uh, welcome to the podcast, and what are you thankful for this year? Well, uh, it's good to be here. Um, I listen every week and have fun doing it. So this year, I'm thankful uh, for my family. You know, they make the trip to almost every game, and I'm just thankful that they get there safe and make it home safe. And I'm thankful that it is uh, the, the heart of our basketball season and we're full swing into the GPAC season. And we'll talk about a couple of GPAC games that took place this past week and uh, one that we'll have coming up here before the holiday break. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Coach, let me ask you, because I think this is a topic that's come up several times during the course of uh, how long we've been doing this podcast, and that topic is food. And this is maybe the best week of the year for a foodie. So what's going to be on your Thanksgiving menu? Well, as un-American as I might come off, I got to give a quick disclaimer that I think Thanksgiving food is a tad overrated. Um, you know, nothing. there's nothing bad, but there's not a whole lot of things with Thanksgiving dinner that I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for that. But if you want my rank, definitive ranking of Thanksgiving food, here's what you got to have. Number one, first and foremost, you have to have a great gravy. That can literally make or break a meal. Are you opposed to going beef gravy? I am. Though it's Thanksgiving. It's turkey gravy or nothing okay. for me. Um, dark meat turkey, for sure. I'm not a huge mashed potato guy, but if I do, I want skins on my mashed potatoes. From there, have to have cranberry sauce. That's probably my, my, actually my favorite. And you have to have a great slice of pumpkin pie. Anything else, that's just window dressing in my opinion. How do you feel about ham starting to take over some of the market share of the primary protein? Well, there's something to be said for tradition, um, and I don't think ham's all that great either. So I, I guess I'm neutral on it. If you put turkey and ham in front of me on Thanksgiving, I'm going to eat turkey myself. Having to chime in here, um, Security director at Briarcliff, Marty Potterbaum, having had Thanksgiving with him my entire life, I will say he makes arguably the greatest Thanksgiving turkey of all time because he goes with deep fat frying the turkey and injecting it with Cajun spices that are pretty money. And I'm a huge fan of gravy, but the only problem is it's injected with so much flavor. You actually don't need, because I like gravy over the turkey, don't have to worry about it with a nice deep fried turkey, Cajun seasoning. I'm intrigued. I'll just say that. I'm intrigued. Knowing Marty Potabom, I'm sure it's phenomenal. A couple of years ago, my uh, we were down celebrating Thanksgiving with my wife's cousin's family, and her cousin woke up in the middle of the night to smoke a turkey on a on his smoker, and that was the best turkey I've ever had. So I'm, we're going down there again actually this week, so I'm hoping that's what's going to be happening. Yeah, and when I think when you start talking about frying and smoking a turkey, you're getting away from the traditional uh, Thanksgiving dinner, which I, I'm okay with. 
you know, that disregard for tradition, if it's for something better, is always a good thing. Well, it's not like the pilgrims were throwing their turkey in a GE oven either. So what do you mean by tradition? That's a good point. Tradition in my lifetime, I guess. So if you could go back to uh, back in time and, and set the precedent for what uh, what's going to be the traditional Thanksgiving meal for the rest of time, you get a totally hit reset on it, even with your knowledge of current food. So it can be anything past or present. What would the Thanksgiving meal be? Well, Matt, that's a question that I can honestly say I've never given one ounce of thought to. And for maybe the first time on this podcast, you have me completely stumped right now. You know, so all my uh, Thanksgiving is overrated talk. I'll put it by the wayside and, and we can move on. All right. Well, let's move on then and let's talk about some basketball because that's really what we're here to do. Uh, and you had a couple of conference games this past week. Uh, you guys played Morningside here at home on Wednesday night and then Doan yesterday down in Crete. And so let's talk about Morningside first, uh, that game from Wednesday night here at the Newman Flanagan Center. You guys came out hot, uh, came out, took an 11-2 to lead early in that game, and then Morningside came back in it and led – essentially the rest of the way so uh the final score of that game was 76 to 67 felt like you guys were kind of within 10 to 15 points most of the second half um and it seems like you just really didn't have an answer in the second half for some of the things they were doing in the paint so what what do you feel like if you could go back and have that game go differently what are some areas of focus well you know first and foremost through seven games we played now that was the one where we really struggled offensively. You know, we had a hard time outside of those first couple of minutes you mentioned getting anything going consistently. And uh, I think it'd be unfair to not give some credit to Morningside's defense because they really got after us defensively and, and caused us some problems. But, um, you know, we just had a hard time finding rhythm. And, and whether it was making perimeter shots consistently, finishing in the paint consistently, or turning the ball over, you know, all three of those things came into play at different times, and, and all three really hurt our offensive rhythm, which is something that's kind of been a staple for us this whole season so far. And, uh, you know, I was I was really proud of our guys because there was a couple different times where we were on the verge of getting blown out, and we just kept fighting back and, and down 16 in the second half to still cut it back to seven. And, and when we were down seven, we had a wide-open three from the corner that rimmed out. You know, it's one of those you think, wow, what if that goes in? And that, that was the play we were, we were missing all night long was we would get two, three stops in a row on the defensive end, and we couldn't get that one big play to spark a run. And had we got that, maybe it turns out differently, maybe it doesn't, but I would have loved to have seen it. You know? and, and this place was rocking on Wednesday night. This, that was probably, in my eight years, one of the top three or four crowds we've had in this place. And it, uh, you know, We talked to our guys the day before practice about how lucky we are to play in this kind of rivalry um, in the city where you know it's going to be a packed house, hostile crowd. And, and we saw that and everything on, on Wednesday night. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, you guys had some looks. Uh, they just weren't falling. And I thought, you know, there were a few times throughout the game where some guys were trying to do some things one-on-one -on -one and maybe were uh, physically a little bit outmanned with the people they were going up against. Um, so, again, like you said, credit to Morningside for creating some tough uh, matchups uh, for our guys. But I feel like on some of those plays, we just weren't seeing that extra pass uh, in places, and, and we were trying to force some things. And, you know, to be honest, there were a few real poor shots taken in that game. Uh, you know, a couple threes by guys who shouldn't be taking a three, four,
four seconds into a shot clock. But that you know that was just my perception. It's easy for somebody who's just watching the game to say. But there were some good things to take out of that game. Uh, Kyle Borhave, man, came out uh, on a mission. And there were some possessions, especially early on, but really throughout most of the first half, where he had Tyler Borchers from Morningside really playing on his heels. And uh, he got him turned around a few times and, and really did a nice job on the defensive end of the court, too, uh, keeping him you know, in check, too. So he finished that game with 18 points and 11 rebounds, and I thought he just played a heck of a game. Yeah, you know, in, in, a, in a loss, sometimes it's hard to see the silver linings, but I think Kyle's performance on Wednesday night was absolutely the big one there. And, uh, you know, Kyle is a freshman. He's a tough kid, you know, coming from a good high school program that he did. He's played in big games before. So the moment is not going to be too big for him. And for a couple different times in that first half, he probably kept us in the game in the first half where we were really struggling. And he got a couple easy scores at the basket that got us going a little bit. And, uh, you know, defensively, Morningside's big guys are, are big, physical, good players. And they, and they have two of them. They just keep rotating them in and out. And... Uh, Kyle did a great job fighting with those guys all night long, I thought. As you said before, credit to the crowd for staying in that game the entire way. You know, you guys had opportunities to tighten that deficit, and uh, the crowd certainly never gave up. Uh, neither did your guys. It's just it's one of those nights where things just weren't falling and, and it just didn't go your way. But fortunately, you'll have a chance uh, later in the season to get one back on those guys. That's the, that's the beauty of the GPAC conference. You get to play everybody twice and, you know, you don't want to read too much into one loss or one win regardless because you're going to you're going to see them again down the road at some point and you know when that time comes we'll have a we'll have a plan and be ready to rock and roll Ethan, how different is it to play in front of a loud home crowd like that than, you know, especially obviously when you're on the road? And and, uh, and I know a lot of schools in this conference, they don't bring quite the energy that we bring into this gym. What's it, what's it like to play in front of people that you know have your back? I mean, it's great. Like Coach said, um, we're blessed that we get to play in such a fun rivalry. And just, I mean, it was amazing. Like, people were standing all around the gym and you know that like win or lose we have a great supportive uh, fan base and you go out there you just give it everything you got and like coach said sometimes uh things just weren't falling and weren't going our way but they just they kept they stayed in it uh they helped us stay in it um I think the crowd is what really helped us fight like fight back kind of get into the game at the end so let's turn now and talk then about uh, the next game you guys played because, you know, a tough, hard-fought rivalry game like that, probably not always easy to, to come in the next day and start to prepare for the next game. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of woulda, coulda's, and should'ves. Uh, but you guys went down to Doan yesterday and took care of business against, you know, like we talked about before, um, they've had some losses on the schedule this year so far, but Doan's never a team to be taken lightly. And you guys won that game 100 to 89 down there on the road. So uh, I didn't have an opportunity to watch much of that game. So why don't you just tell us what happened there? You know, first of all, it started on Thursday. You know, sometimes after a loss, especially the first loss of a year, the tendency in the human nature is to overreact, you know. And I think Ethan would speak for most of our players that – Every now and again, I have a, chance, a tendency to overreact a little bit. And so, you know, I wanted to make sure we didn't do that. And our general Thursday routine is we come in, we watch film as a group from the night before. We get down on the floor and we shoot for about 30 minutes. And that's it. You know, we're, we're big on making sure we keep the guys fresh mentally and physically throughout the year. And so we didn't alter from that plan. You know, we stayed with it. Uh, we came in Friday 
ready to get ready for Doan and, and probably had a top two or three practice of the year so far. I, I was really encouraged Friday after practice, just the mentality the guys brought to practice, the energy they had, and the concentration they, they played with to get ready for Doan. And so I think that really helped to springboard us to Saturday. And we came out with that same kind of energy. And, and we had a, a, a small lead early. Um, we were up at half and, and thought we left some points on the board and probably gave up a couple easy ones, especially late in the half. But uh, the first five minutes of the second half won the game for us. From up six, I think we got up 20 or 22 in that five-minute span. And it was a combination of just – making really easy plays offensively that led to easy points and really ratcheting up the the pressure on Doan and causing a couple turnovers and a couple tough shots. And from there, you know, Doan's a good team. They're really talented. And and we knew they weren't just going to roll over. You know, they made a couple pushes. I think they cut it to nine once or twice. And then, you know, we made our free throws down the stretch, got a couple more stops down the stretch that put it away for us. And, you know, our, our big guys had their hands full yesterday. You know, Don't Don's a big physical team. You know, they're starting centers. I don't six ten, probably two sixty. He's a big dude, and uh, I know two of our three centers fouled out yesterday. Um, but they those guys just battled all forty minutes for us, and uh, so they they played really well. And you know, Wolf had it going in the first half, and I don't think he scored in the second half. And and Erdman picked right up, and I think he had twenty two in the second half. You know, so it, and that it, again, it just speaks to the balance of our team. And the guy sitting to my right here. I don't know that he scored in the first half and had 10 in the second half. And Jackson Lamb had two in the first half and hit a couple huge threes in the second half. And that balance is just – it's such a weapon for us because you can't clue in on one guy. And as Eric got it going, you could just see Doan's defense starting to key in on Eric a little bit more. And all of a sudden, Friedel's open. All of a sudden, Lamb's open or Lutmer's open or whoever it is. And so it was great to get the winning taste back in our mouth more than anything else. You know, when, when you lose that first game – the, the best thing or the best remedy you can have for that is to win the next one, you know, and, and not let that one turn into two. And so I was happy with how our guys came out and to go on the road and uh, in an atmosphere that it, it wasn't dead down there. But, uh, you know, when you play on a Saturday in the state of Nebraska and Nebraska football is playing, um, that can decimate a crowd a little bit. And so, Again, shout out to our fans because we had a huge Briarcliff contingent down there, and uh, they made a lot of noise for us. And so it was great to get back on the road, battle a little bit of weather, um, coming home, but good to be back. You know, talking about the the atmosphere of the gym, you know, the crowd noise isn't going to be quite there for Doan, but I guess this is probably more of a question for Ethan as a player. Is it weird, or what's it like playing on on a black court? Well, um, I, I, I have never – I mean, played on one except for last year, of course, but it's it's definitely different. I don't know. It's just kind of like the depth perception of where the hoop is. I mean, I've never even thought about having a black court, um, and so I don't know. It's it's different, definitely different. But, um, no, the black court is definitely different, um, but uh, it's – I mean, some people like it. I mean, we like we were talking to some of the freshmen, and uh, some, of the, some of them thought it was kind of cool, and I thought it was stupid, but – uh, you know what? If as long as Don likes it, then that's okay. And how about Jeff Dobinson? Fourteen points, five rebounds in sixteen minutes. You know, he's a guy we've talked about a, a few times this year. Is uh, really understanding, you know, how to how to take advantage of the time where he's in the game. And, and he's a guy who steps in and, and always seems to really know how to attack his role. Yep. You know, Jeff was awesome yesterday. First of all, and Jeff is as steady as they come. You know. 
and, and the moment, again, he's one of those guys, the moment's never too big for Jeff. Jeff won four state titles in high school basketball. He's been on the big stage for, for most of his life. And so to step in, you know, we had foul trouble, and, and Borhave got a couple early ones, and Ropeman got a couple early ones, and Dobbinton goes, and he got a couple early ones too, but at that point, all of them had two, so we just kind of stuck with Jeff because he had it going a little bit. And uh, I told the guys after the game, in my time at Briarcliff, there's certain games that will always resonate with me as this individual's game. And yesterday was kind of the Jeff Dobbinton game because he, his spark he gave us off the bench really started our first run that gave us a little bit of separation in the first half. And then nothing changed in the second half. He comes right in. Kyle Borey picked up another quick foul in the second half. And Jeff comes in, gets an and one off a ball screen, and hits another three a couple possessions later. And so at Doan 2018 is going to always kind of be the Jeff Dobbinton game to me. That win puts you guys at 6-1 and one on the year, 3-1 and one in the conference. And so this week is a shortened week, obviously, because of the Thanksgiving holiday. But you do have a game at uh, Mount Marty this upcoming Tuesday, the 20th. Uh, what do you know about Mount Marty this year? I know they've got a Coach Schilling over there in his second year, and, and they had a win against Midland this past Saturday. So, um, you know, it seems like they're, they're on the upswing. Uh, what do you know about them and what they're going to bring to you guys Tuesday night? Yeah, you know, obviously that's a great win. Midland uh, earlier in the week had gone down to Doan and beat them, you know, not in the same fashion we did, but, you know, a road win and to turn around and go up at, and then get beat at Mount Marty, you know, it just shows how deep our league is first and foremost. And uh, Mount Marty's a team that I think they're pretty young. I think they're really talented. Uh, they have some new guys, whether they're freshmen or transfers. Uh, so their team's going to look quite a bit different than they did a year ago in terms of personnel. Um, but, you know, it's a GPAC road game. Um, it's a place we've not played incredibly well the last couple of years. And so it's, it's a game that we need to be prepared for. It's a game, especially this week with Thanksgiving, we're going to have a little break after that game. And we need to make sure as a, as a group we don't go on Thanksgiving break until the game's over on, on Tuesday night. And, and so they probably play a little bit slower than a lot of the other teams in the league play. They're going to try to control the pace a little bit more, pretty physical defensively. And, uh, you know, they're not against running the shot clock down a little bit more than, like I said, some of the other teams, Briarcliff included, um, in the GPAC do. So that's, that, those games are always a little scary because of the way we play. We thrive on possessions and we thrive on the pace. And, uh, you know, if, if a team can slow us down to 65 possessions, that's a huge advantage for them and a disadvantage for us potentially. So, you know, and, and not to go back to the Doan game, but that was something we thought Doan would try to do and, and getting the lead early in that game was huge for us because it, when you have the lead, you dictate the pace a lot more than the other team does. And so that's something that will be a, a big key on Tuesday night for us. I know a lot of people make the trip to your guys' road games. Uh, so I, I'm going to throw a pitch out there for a pregame meal for anyone making the trip to Yankton, South Dakota, and that's to hit up Charlie's Pizza, which is just down the road from campus. So uh, I, I, I'm unfamiliar, but I got Friedel here shaking his head yes. Um, tell me about Charlie's Pizza in so Yankton. Charlie's Pizza is an absolute staple, and my wife and I, our family does some uh, camping in the summer uh, up in Yankton, and so that's uh, a definitely a go-to when we're not feeling like cooking anything ourselves. We give Charlie's Pizza a call, and they've got a r lot of really unique, interesting, different uh, pizzas on their menu. Uh, usually, they're, they're mostly named after old movies and old movie stars. Uh, the one we always get is called the Festus, and uh, what it is is it's got sauerkraut, 
jalapenos, and then like meatballs on it. And at first blush, that sounds like it would be uh, kind of odd or, or even disgusting. But the sweetness of the sauerkraut with the jalapeno, it's it's amazing. And so uh, if you're making that trip to Yankton, uh, you would absolutely be remiss to not take advantage of an opportunity to get Charlie's. Ethan, you know about Charlie's, obviously. What What's your go-to? Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I have been to Charlie's before, and I'm a pretty – you know, original guy. So uh, I stuck with just, you know, the what normal pepperoni. I don't even remember what it was called because it was some weird name, but uh, it had some other stuff on it. Uh, I didn't do the order, but I, I love the pizza, and it's a really good place to eat. So let's keep that in mind, Coach. Yeah, like I said, the Festus, that's the one I was talking about. There's one called Saints and Sinners, uh, which is beef and crab meat, basically. Uh, just a lot of really interesting You know, I'm intrigued food. by the whole thing here because – I'll echo what Ethan says. I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to pizza. I, I love a pepperoni pizza or a sausage pizza, but I'm also not against trying something new. And, and this Saints and Sinners, you said? That's I'm, one of the pizzas. I'm, I'm intrigued yep. by that for sure. Yeah, so uh, Bobby and uh, Ethan Erdman, if you guys listen to this and you're getting uh, food lined up for after the game, you know, make, make sure if you're going to do it, get a call in early. I think they do take a little while to get things made up there, but uh, well worth it. So anyone making the trip to Yankton, uh, I certainly encourage you to, to make that stop. So after that game, you go into Thanksgiving break. What does the schedule look like for the squad during the holiday break like that? Do you give the guys a few days off to go home? What's What do you do during that, that stretch? Yep, the guys are going to have a, a, a nice little four-day break here starting on Wednesday through Saturday. We'll come back on Sunday and practice again and start to prepare for next week. And, uh, you know, it just goes back to I've, I'm really big on making sure we try to keep the guys fresh. And Thanksgiving's a time. Some years we play. Last year we played a couple games over Thanksgiving. This year we don't. And so it's just a nice break for the guys. Get away from a couple days. You know, we have a few guys who have played some really big minutes here in the early season. And so for them to just get off their feet for a couple days, enjoy some family, I think it's physically refreshing. I think it's mentally refreshing. And I think we come back Sunday night and, and we're ready to go for, you know, another few weeks stretch here before we have another break for Christmas. So it's, uh, you know, we talked about do we need to practice Wednesday? Should we bring them back Saturday? Ultimately, we just kind of decided as a staff it's going to be better in the long run, looking at trying to keep guys healthy. Let's just give them a few days off and, and come back Sunday. Yeah, and, and not to get too much ahead of ourselves here, but you get back from Thanksgiving break, and then you guys hit a pretty tough stretch in December. And right off the bat, uh, you got Dakota Wesleyan coming to town, and then you're up at uh, Northwestern the following uh, Saturday, followed by Dort. Bellevue's on that. So, I mean, a lot of good teams coming up in December, so hopefully the guys can get some time to get their legs back under them because uh, we're going to get rocking and rolling here in December. Absolutely. So, Ethan, when you walked in today, Coach Figuera called you by a nickname. Uh, he called you Cheese. What? Uh, where did you get the nickname Cheese? What does that mean? Well, it's kind of a funny story. So, last year, um, came in uh, to the team, and then at pretty early in the year, actually, Eric, I give him some credit, uh, Betts, Jared Betts, um, give him some credit too, and a couple of the other guys. They, they, they called Jackson Lamb. They called him Ham, and for some reason, they, there was a resemblance between me and Jackson. They think they must have thought we were a lot alike, so they were just like, "Why not call him Ham and Cheese?" 
And so they started calling me Cheese, and now they don't. Nobody calls Jackson Ham anymore. But my nickname just stuck. I mean, I got people on campus calling me Cheese. I got you know professors calling like calling me Cheese. It's just the whole team. I I haven't. I can't remember last time Coach called me by my actual name. So yeah, that's uh, that, that's how I got the nickname, and it just it stuck. Has it stuck in with family members yet? Have you, do you, are you are you planning on going home for Thanksgiving and having your mom say, "Hey, cheese, turkey's ready"? Actually, no. They they don't really they don't quite understand it. Like my grandma has no idea what it means, but she she caught on that whenever coach says cheese that she, he's talking about me. And I tried to explain to her. I, I don't know how I got the nickname, but it kind of just stuck. No, she won't call me uh, by my nickname, but so not at home yet. But maybe in the future for sure. Well, the, the thing about this, as uh, as you probably probably remember, was it I didn't catch on right away. I didn't even know they were calling you that. And then I finally figured out what they were saying. And I had no clue anybody ever called Jackson Ham. I'd never heard that until you came to Briarcliff. And, and I, I withheld from calling you cheese for about five, six games last year. And then I think what finally happened was I said Ethan one time in a game, didn't get your attention. I yelled cheese. You heard it, and the rest is history. I very rarely call you Ethan anymore. Do any other guys on the team have nicknames that are as prominent? Uh, no. I mean, um, I don't. I mean, Tubbs, definitely. Yeah, shout out to Ethan Erdman. Um, other than that, no. I there's not many nicknames going around other than mine. So another thing we got to talk to you about, uh, Ethan, because this came up on a podcast, uh, Bobby. Beach Patterson told us about an incident where you actually got locked in a locker room before a game. So tell us about that traumatic incident. And uh, did that, I mean, do you have any phobias now related to that? Are you the first one out of the locker room? Well, no, it's actually funny. I'm never the first one out of the locker room. And uh, yeah, so it was the first game of this year. You know, I'm trying to get ready to go. Uh, and uh, we meet in the locker room with about five minutes left um, in warm-ups. Uh, we go through a quick prayer, and then after the prayer, I had to go use the restroom. Um, and everybody left, and I was still in there, and all of a sudden, I, I go up to the door, and the door is locked. And I was, like, honestly freaking out. Like I was like, do they have no idea I'm not even out there? And so was, I actually had to go grab my phone and call my grandma and my grandma and my aunt Cindy, I had to call them, and they, and from what I heard, they were like, "Coach," or they were yelling at somebody, and they're like, "Somebody, need, Ethan's locked in the locker room." So finally, Tubbs just he comes, gets the key, comes to the locker room, and just opens the door, and just so like subtle, just goes, "Sorry, cheese." And then I'm running out there like right as the national anthem uh, was starting, and so yeah, and then I actually had a fairly decent game that game and so yeah I'll remember that game for probably a long long time well and so when this happened from my perspective I don't pay attention to warm-ups at all I despise pre-game warm-ups um, I don't sit still on a well I don't ever sit still I certainly don't in pre-game warm-ups so I'm just trying to occupy my time but the guys always come down the bench and we high-five everybody as they come to the bench and I just I thought to myself I was like where's cheese at Next thing I know, within two seconds, his aunt's like behind me on the bench saying, Coach, Ethan's in the locker room. He's locked in there. And so at that point, we, we kind of figured it all out and sent uh, Ethan to go get him. But, uh, yeah, heck of a deal. And, you know, we did joke after that game, you know, he had 27 points that night, and it might be a good idea to start locking him in there more often. But we'll see. 
Maybe you could just take that approach. If anyone's been struggling the last few games, try it on them. If yeah, they continue we'll, to struggle, maybe keep them in we'll, there. We'll call that the Friedel treatment. <laughs> so if you've been listening to the podcast, Ethan, you know uh, as a guest, we always try to hit you with some uh, quick lightning round questions here to get to know you a little bit better. And so I've got a few here. Uh, I've got five here. We may throw in an extra one if Kevin or Coach comes up with one too. But uh, a few of these we've probably asked before, a few I don't think we have. And so uh, we'll just give us your best shot at answering each one of these. So right. we'll start uh, with the first one. What's the most memorable game of your career? Uh, definitely the state championship game uh, my senior year. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was really blessed because I got to play basketball with my younger brother, which not many people get to do. And, yeah, we, we went out and um, won the first ever state championship for my high school. And, yeah, that was probably the most memorable game in my life. What's the best post-game meal on the road? Uh, the best post-game meal on the road. I'm never going to be opposed to some Pizza Ranch pizza. Um, yeah, we have a Pizza Ranch in T back in my hometown, and I used to go there very, very often. Actually, my senior year, uh, once I, w I would get out of class early, and once a week, uh, my grandma Peggy would take me to Pizza Ranch, and I don't think that's ever going to get old. I have to chime in as well on the joy of Pizza Ranch. Um, I, I worked up in Mitchell, South Dakota for a year, up at the Daily Republic, the newspaper there. I only worked there 10 months, but I know at least twice I had the buffet for lunch and again for dinner. <laughs> the buffet is the best thing out there. And I know Matt Gall, our host, being a Northwest Iowa native, has an affinity for Pizza Ranch as well. You can't get away from it, but it's it's always there, and that's what's that's what I love about Pizza Ranch. Is if you're uh, in small town Iowa or small town Nebraska or South Dakota, you're gonna run into a Pizza Ranch. So uh, it's not too hard to find somewhere to eat as long as you're in the Midwest somewhere. You know you're gonna at least run into that. Here's a question we've been asking uh, a few times, and we've gotten uh, one or two good ones, but uh, I think we need to hear yours. What's your best impersonation of Coach Figuera? Um, <laughs> I don't really have a, a great impersonation of Coach Figuera. Uh, I do do the yelling at Jackson sometimes, um, but it's not very good. But I do it because it's a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, that's probably my only impersonation. Who's the most difficult professor you've had here at the Cliff? Oh, difficult? Uh, probably uh, Professor Yonke. Because um, the dude is just a genius when it comes to history and just knows every little detail. And we're studying the Civil War. And um, I, mean, I actually enjoy history a lot. It's just, it's just, it's just super tough because he, you know, he wants us to know every single detail. But... It's also it's, it's a great class um, because you actually learn a lot about um, the history and how the Civil War went. So probably that that professor. Yeah, Dr. Yonke, I had him for a few classes when I was here, and he's a fantastic teacher, yeah, very absolutely. interesting, and a huge basketball fan yeah. too. So uh, you'll see uh, Professor Eric Yonke here at uh, some of the games for sure. So the last question, again, another common question that comes up in this segment is uh, your favorite basketball movie. Um, well, actually, it's my favorite movie ever of all time i've uh glory road is my favorite movie i've seen it you know a hundred times and every time i watch it it just it gives me chills just at the end of the at the end of the movie when they beat kentucky it's just it's awesome spoiler alert um yeah it's my favorite movie out there so definitely glory road and you're in good company because on last week's podcast coach schultz said the same thing so anytime you can be in the company of ron schultz you know that's a good thing 
I, I want to ask too. This will be, I guess, we'll have six questions, but uh, I want to ask too because I I had my first home game of the year last Wednesday, and one thing I'm always excited about is to hear what the warm up uh, mix is going to be before the game. So, what's the best uh, warm up song that you've had at any point in your career? Um, well, actually, I'm going to give a shout out to my uh, Tyria High School band because I'm a huge pep band guy. Like I've I've always thought that music. Uh, in warm-ups is a little overrated I, I want out there I want the band playing and oh there was nothing better than warming up to the high school band back in high school so any any song they did they would do the um, Star Wars Star Wars song every time uh, that we would announce the starters back in high school and that was that was awesome all right well we're gonna move now into our listener questions and we've actually got a few questions here we'll get started now with one from uh, Dennis Klein the PA announcer for Briarcliff University home basketball games, and he's actually got a few for us here. So we're gonna we're gonna start uh, with one for Coach Figuera, and the question is, what is the more intense rivalry, Briarcliff versus Morningside, or Dana, your alma mater, versus Midland Lutheran, now known as Midland University? Uh, correct. So yeah, I've you know, for me it's Briarcliff Morningside. It's uh. And it's nothing against Dana or Midland or, or what that rivalry was. You know, playing in that for four years was pretty fun. And it was a big deal. Two schools, 20 minutes apart, both Lutheran-based schools with a long history of, of competing against each other. But the the level of basketball being played in the Briarcliff-Morningside rivalry right now, being in the same city, the tradition and the history of both programs, I think it just takes it to another level. And, and I already mentioned the game we played here Wednesday night, um, I know I never played in front of a crowd like that or a, a gym that was that loud playing in a Dana Midland game. Uh, Coach, one more question for you from Dennis. What has been your favorite city on the coaching staff's annual trip to the Final Four each March? That's an easy one for me, New Orleans. Unbelievable. Greatest food city I've ever been to. The, the diversity of food you can get there is unbelievable. And uh, that's number one. I would put San Antonio number two. Indianapolis number three that would be my top three I've, I've gone six of the last seven years um, been to some other places and everyone's good the final four is a, a pretty awesome deal if you're a college basketball coach this year it's up in Minneapolis but that's my top three and, and so far New Orleans is far and away number one coach I have another question for you this one comes from Andrew Tuba Douglas one of my uh, buddies from Bradcliffe speaking of nicknames uh, he wants to know what coaching moment you're proud of was there a time you exploited a scheme or a player that helped you win a game. So a specific coaching moment that sticks out to you. Yeah, there there actually is, you know, and it was the first round of last year's national tournament. You know, we we had a terrible end of the season going into that. You know, we we lost to Dort at home on senior day, turned around, got beat by Doan in the first round of the conference tournament. And, and that was a frustrating time. It was a disappointing time. We had a chance to win a conference championship and just missed it. Um, you know, it turned out being a blessing in disguise. It gave us a ton of time to, to get back to the basics and prepare for the national tournament. Um, but I was really proud of, of the game plan our staff put together for Oregon Tech. Um, really proud of how the guys executed it to a T. And, and to make matters worse, going into that game, we didn't know if Eric Erdman was going to play. Um, he had had food poisoning, had not been healthy for the 36 hours leading up to that. And it, it was really, it almost came down to a game time decision if he could go or not. And, and he ended up in foul trouble and didn't play near the, the role he normally did. And so it, was, it wasn't it was necessarily a coaching moment. It was more of 
a program moment to me. I'm just so proud of, of the program from our assistant coaches and their game planning, our players executing that game plan, and, and overcoming some adversity we'd had either in the days leading up to it or the couple weeks leading up to it. So kind of in a similar thread here, I have another question from a listener, and maybe this is a better question for Ethan. Uh, but this person writes, Coach Figuera does a lot of in-the-moment coaching, uh, such as you know talking to guys when you're on the court. So do you hear all of that? And in the middle of the action, when you know, you're, you're in the middle of running a play or you're in the middle of a tight, physical, fast game, can you hear coach or do you just hear what's going on with teammates or how much of that is, is coach just wasting his time and breath on? Uh, well, you definitely hear them when you screw something up. Uh, you'll definitely hear that. Uh, but other than that, I mean, sometimes you just get so locked into a game. And, uh, of course, you, you listen to your coach and you do, what, uh, you, you do what he says. But I've always been a kind of player that when I'm, when I'm in the game, I kind of just shut everything out and kind of just play on my own, trust my instincts. Um, and of course, follow the game plan. But no, there are some things that uh, you definitely hear. You definitely hear him chewing out Jackson sometimes. And uh, yeah, but if you screw something up, you'll hear that too. So other than that, uh, you just I kind of just shut everything out. But that's those are things for sure. Yeah, and it's funny he says that because we actually had a situation last night in our game, and it involved Ethan and myself. Uh, Doan was pressing us. We were up real late. Uh, we had turned it over a possession or two before against the press. And I, I yelled at him. He was the nearest player to our bench. And I yelled out. I said, cheese, count to four, and if we don't throw the ball and call timeout. We had a ton of timeouts left. I just didn't want to turn it over again. So then we ended up, we got it in bounds. We were going to shoot a free throw. He comes over and said, coach, all I heard was cheese. I don't know what you wanted. <laughs> so there's the answer right there. But, um, you know, I think sometimes as a coach, you have a tendency to probably overcoach things. Ultimately, we want to put our players in positions to go make plays. And I think our guys know, especially in the offensive end, there's always a little wiggle room, you know. And Ethan probably knows this as well as anybody. If you're feeling it and you're going to put up a heat check, you're probably not going to hear much from me, you know. I might say something to Coach Shipley about it. Say, ah, we probably really didn't need that. But, you know, I want players confident in making plays. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for those questions. And keep them coming. Uh, you can send those to us at – bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com uh, or just send them to us uh, over on Twitter. We're at, at bcbucketscast. So I'm going to turn the mic over to Sports Information Director Kevin Potabom. He's got some information to share with us today. Yeah, looking at this, uh, I have some, some stats that I looked up or some little notes and uh, I have one where I'll kind of direct a question to Coach and then another one where we'll, we'll highlight um, Cheese here since we have him in studio uh, first I'll start with you coach uh, you know I was looking at it early in the year through through six games you guys had five different players be a leading scorer in a game um, right here Friedel 27 points in the opener um, at friends it was actually a tie technically between Erdman and Lamb but Lamb was able to be on that uh, Jay Wolf was able to be the leading scorer against Bethany and then again against Concordia um, Jamestown was Ethan Erdman all by himself, and then we talked about Borhave a little while ago in the Morningside game. Just as a coach, is it almost difficult when you have so many weapons at your disposal? Or, you know, do you do any coaching to decide who's going to be the top guy, or what's it like just having that many weapons that can go off on any given night? Well, it's a luxury, you know, first and foremost. And anybody who watches us play, 
you know, and if you if you really know basketball, you see pretty quickly we run pretty much everything through Eric Erdman and Jay Wolf, and you know, Ethan sitting next to me here, we have like three plays we run for him, and we have a couple plays we run for Jackson Lamb, a couple plays we run for our big guys, and literally everything else is for Eric and Jay. And the beauty of those two guys is they're both such unselfish players and they're both such smart players and intelligent players that even if the play's for them, if another option is wide open, they're going to get the ball. You know, I, I, we had a situation – I'll bring up Ethan because he's hit, sitting right next to me. Went out of bounds play yesterday um, in the second half right in front of our bench. It was a play for Eric to get a, a dribble handoff from our post player to attack the middle of the floor. When that happened, Ethan handed it off to Eric first. And his guy completely sunk into the lane to take away the role of the big guy. Eric throws it right back to Ethan, wide open three, boom, three points. And so it's a luxury just knowing that we can get a couple guys in, in spots to make plays and knowing that 95% of the time they're going to make the right play and other guys benefit from it. And, you know, I mentioned we have a couple plays for Ethan and Jackson, and those guys are both, when they get hot, they're hot. And so we have to have a couple things to go to for them to get quick shots. And Dome did a great job guarding the one we ran for you yesterday, Ethan. All right, thanks, Coach. Again, I just, I mean, looking at that, to have in six games five different guys be a leading scorer is just unheard of. Um, well, and, and I'll add one more thing to that. I think we have a lot of guys who, I, I talk about the moment never being too big. You know, you look at our roster, I think we have a lot of winners on our roster. And, and just looking at Ethan here, you know, Ethan was a state champion in high school. The moment's never been too big for him. You know, I, I think back to a game at Dakota Wesleyan last year. Um, we were down 17 with 12 to go in that game. And him and Jay both went nuts from three-point line the last few minutes of that game, got us back into it. We were down two, and we come down, and uh, Ethan shoots a completely contested three from the corner. You know, if, if you were really drawing up the best possible shot you could get, that would not have been it. But you know what, as I watch that film, and even in the moment, I think, you know what, that's a freshman that has a ton of confidence to take that shot, and, and that's the guy I want on the floor ready to shoot that. Now, what actually happened, he missed pretty badly. Jay Wolf got the rebound, scored it at the rim, and got fouled, so we took a two-point lead, um, and it all worked out great. But just having that kind of confidence and, and having a lot of talented players who can score the basketball, it's a, it's a good thing. Bouncing off of that, actually, what I was going to talk to you about, Cheese, is somewhat off of that. Um, looking through the, the GPAC um, kind of individual placers for leading uh, in categories, you are number two in the conference in points per game among non-starters, uh, averaging just shy of 14 points a game. Um, and with that, Coach talked about, you know, you, you had a history of success in high school. You're used to being the guy. What kind of adjustments do you have to make or how difficult is it when you get to the college level and you've always been the guy to now have to be coming off the bench, but you found a way to still be successful? Um, yeah, and me and Coach have talked about that quite a bit. Um, towards the end, uh, end of the season last year, um, I came off the bench, and then uh, this year he, he just we, we talked about it, and he came up to me. He's like, how would you like to be the sixth man again? And um, I said, you know, whatever I need to do to help the team win, if I need to come in and be a spark off the bench, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I knew coming in that we just have so many talented guards that, I mean, Jackson Lamb, Jay Wolf, and Eric Erdman are just, I mean, they're unbelievable players, and I'm thankful that I get to look up to them and play behind them. So, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not as tough as people would think. I mean, I just kind of accepted my role and 
coming off the bench is is something that I mean I wasn't used to, but um, once I get into the game, it it, it, uh, it really doesn't matter that much. And coach, bouncing off that for you, um, is that part of when you're recruiting a guy? How much do you have to take into account? How's this guy going to handle his role being different at the college level? Well, the reality is most of the guys we get were the best player on their high school team or the second best. And, and so there's egos involved. And, and we have a lot of guys in our program with big egos um, and confident egos. And I think what's been special about our program is being able to turn those individual egos into team ego. That's something we talk about with our guys a lot. It's something our guys have thrived on. And, and Ethan, you know, he and I had that conversation, and, and it's part of it's my own personal philosophy. I love having an explosive scorer coming off the bench, and obviously he is that. And if you look at the last four or five years of Briarcliff basketball, here's been our sixth man, Ethan Friedel, Austin Leffler, Eric Erdman, Clayton Harold. You know, so there's some pretty dang good basketball players there. And I think, what's again, what's made our program – special and gotten us to where we are right now has been the unselfishness and, and the, the chemistry our guys have built together to where some guys have to sacrifice some personal stats you know I we have multiple guys on our team that I think could average 23 24 points a game and none of them will because for the better of the team we need those guys averaging 18 19 a game but now we have three or four of those guys averaging that and that's hard to guard good stuff as always Kevin and uh, so with that we're going to move now into our shout out section of the podcast and i'll go ahead and get things started uh shout out to everybody who's going to be uh, volunteering at different organizations and places this thanksgiving to make sure that you know there's people out there who who get a meal who maybe otherwise wouldn't i know there's a lot of uh, good businesses here in sioux city who uh, help feed the less fortunate and, and people who volunteer so shout out to those people who uh, give up part of their thanksgiving to make sure that others can have a, a good holiday my shout out today, um, again, I'll tie it back to a conversation we had uh, on this episode here today on the podcast, and that's, I want to give a shout out to Barry Fouts. Um, uh, many Briarcliff supporters know who Barry Fouts is. He has a book coming out. Uh, it was supposed to come out last month, had an issue with the publisher, but this month there should be a, a book coming out that will uh, talk about the rivalry between Briarcliff and Morningside in basketball. It is an entire book just dedicated to this crosstown rivalry on the on the hardwood. So, uh, shout out to Barry for doing a ton of work and getting that book ready to go. And I know I personally can't wait to read it. And um, it will be available at the Briarcliff Bookstore um, as well as Book People here in Sioux City. So I I would recommend any Charger supporter to go out and pick up a copy of that book. Um. I'd like to shout out to uh, uh, my younger brother Noah and uh, the rest of the T High School basketball team as they start their season here pretty quick after Thanksgiving break is when they start practice. So uh, just want to shout them out, say good luck to the team and Coach Fechner, and uh, hope they go win another one this year. And I want to give a shout out, probably long overdue, to all the listeners of the BC Buckets podcast. You know, we've we've had a great following since we started this, and. Honestly, I don't know that I knew what to expect, you know, hoping just somebody would listen to it the first couple times. And, and every week we've had, we've had hundreds of listeners, and I've gotten a ton of positive feedback from alums, supporters, recruits, and, and, and everywhere in between. And so keep listening, keep sending questions. We love the interaction with the fans of the podcast, so keep it up.
Yeah, and on that note, I think uh, I think you're working on some possible uh, special guests for next week that I'm excited about. So hopefully you can come through on that. It could be our first double guest episode, and it could be epic. All right. Stay tuned. So keep that in mind, and, and make sure you tune in next week. So, uh, again, reminder, Briarcliff will be in action when you listen to this. Hopefully you're listening to this Tuesday when this gets released. Briarcliff plays what would be tonight uh, up in Yankton at Mount Marty. Make sure you hit Charlie's for the pregame meal. And then things will pick up again on Wednesday the 28th here at home against Dakota Wesleyan. So for the rest of the crew here at the basketball offices at the Newman Flanagan Center, thanks for listening to BC Buckets. We will talk to you next week.